All right, gang, it is that time of the week. Welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, Dave Littlejohn, in studio with me, Matt Dixon. On this, the greatest Tuesday you've had all week. Well, it feels good to be in the studio, doesn't it? It does. I, I don't know why it feels like it's been a really long time, too. It's weird. It feels like it's been a minute. <laughs> it's, it's just, well, I guess because oh, last week July. was the 4th of July. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's actually been, we uh, just the, the way things work at the station and so forth. So, 4th of July, we were celebrating America's birthday. So, happy birthday, belated America. Mm-hmm. Good job. And isn't today Independence Day? I mean, it's Prime Day, right? Like we have independence <laughs> from the 40 percent markups from our retailers. So oh, I don't know that it's even <laughs> that good. Right. Uh, Prime Day is a fun one. I suppose if you're an Amazon junkie, you can, uh, you, you can yeah. separate yourself from some more of your hard earned capital. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and you, if you have an Amazon card, you get 6% back today instead of just five. Oh, I see. Oh, man. So those Amazon yeah. points are going to start racking up. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a game changer, right? Wouldn't it be interesting to know how much money is spent on average on Prime Day? That oh, would be it's wild. out there, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. There have been some things that uh, have maybe uh, crossed the list that were at meaningful discounts that have been observed, uh, maybe even captured today. So, I, I so know you got your people. eye on a few things? I have my eye on a few things, Okay. Yes. So um, they're kind of silly things, right? Here's, here's some insight into how nerdy I am. I have, in in the limited time that I can develop hobbies, and I say that because... I have, you know, a whole family of, so I have three daughters. In fact, fact, today, I do have a special, I'm going to do this on air, and hopefully she will hear this, but um, to my my littlest little John, right, to to Miss Lauren, happy birthday. Oh, boy. I know. So today is the actual birthday, too, not belated or anything else. Yeah. uh, How old is Lauren today? Lauren is very big girl, eight years old. Ooh. Yes, which actually is pretty true because uh, there seems to be this transition period where uh, she's capable of a lot more logic and reason than she was a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, she's still that same zany, goofy, and like High really fiery kid. Yeah. Right? I mean, she's got just tons of personality, and she she's does. just go, go, go. Uh, but I can also stop now and have like a conversation like, well, I want this thing, right? She wouldn't ask for this, but something crazy like, well, why can't I go to the moon, Dad? And now if I explain it to her, it's not like, well, you just can't, right? Now it's a, well, honey, you're going to have to go to astronaut school first. And that means you're going to have to, you know, find a channel to do that. And she go, that does sound harder. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the logic is really starting to set in. Huh? It's fun. It's it's so cool watching um, kids grow up and learn, and when they start, well, now she'll push back on things, and she has reasons, mm. right? And that's kind of exciting, too. Uh, but anyway, if you're listening, Lauren, happy birthday. I hope it continues to be an amazing day for you, and I couldn't be more proud of you. You are the bestest. Uh, anyway, for <laughs> – so there, there was our, uh, like – you know, get off the rails or off track thing, but mm-hmm. what was the original question? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> we were we talk- mean, we're talking about America's birthday. Then we're talking about Lord, and then we're talking about watching Prime Day. The kiddos. Prime Day. Prime Day. I guess Prime Day was in there too. <laughs> My hobby. Oh yeah, right. there we go. You're bringing it full circle now, David. 
I may get a small, like a mini PC. Oh, right? like like the, a, like the a really, really small one. They're, they're like, like the size of your phone. Yeah, like you know, like a couple decks of cards or something. They're mm-hmm. really they're really little, low power draw. Because I like home automation. Okay. Okay. And so um, home automation to me is not just like you know we won't say it on radio because then like if you have one in your house and you're listening, but that Amazon device that we don't say her name <laughs> if you say that. And then, like, turn the lights off or something like that. Okay, that can happen in our home. Or, hey, play music or whatever. What I want to have happen is all the stuff to happen without having to do anything. Wow, you're really going – you're, like, super automation mode. So nerd level. Uh, like, 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 like when you walk in the room, the lights turn on type stuff? or Not just that the lights turn on. Mm-hmm. Like when you walk in the room at certain times, the lights turn on at different intensities. Oh, okay. Or, like – I put in under cabinet lighting in our kitchen and it's smart LED that can change color mm-hmm. and it's color tuned so that it's different during daylight than at night. Oh, and so like a softer it would light. Know, yeah. Well, it's actually a different, I mean, that's the concept, right? right? Softer. So it's warmer, right? So daylight, you have just a different color temperature than at night. Mm-hmm. And so there's a nighttime color temperature and a daytime color temperature. And they look different whether or not they're interacting with sunlight, because the warm light looks yellowy mm-hmm. when it's when the sun's out. But when the sun goes down, the white light looks kind of harsh, and so you, you make it a little bit more yellow, and it just it's a different tone. It's easier on the eyes. Well, I, I, you know, so I want to put presence detection in, so it knows not only if a person is in there and if they're holding still, like if you're reading a book or something, it still knows you're there. But this is all clever stuff, right? Think about, okay, I'll draw this back to True Wealth. You ready for this? Yes. Here's the connection. I want to get this computer. I don't have to, but I want to because mm-hmm. it makes all the different brands of devices talk to each other through a single hub. So you don't have to have just one type. Like, you know, you don't get all ABC brand. You can get ABC and XYZ and LSMFT, whatever. It's all the different brands can talk through this hub. And then. I can do things like the house will know if nobody's in it. So it will actually shut the lights off for you without you having off, to tell and it. And it will change the, the temperature setting on the HVAC. It can, it can like stop the recirc pump on the hot water heater. How much is this device, if you don't mind me asking? Ballpark so it for me. The, the, the computer. Hub? Yeah, the hub. 100 bucks. Do you think that that could pay for itself? Yes. In, just the yeah, electricity I mean, you, savings? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely would pay for itself. Over probably about 12 to 24 months, it'll it'll pay for itself in doing the yeah. – in, in this energy savings. But where it will – it's the lifestyle stuff that you, when you don't even know what's happening, it's just mm-hmm. automatic. That's just kind of cool. Right. Like, because oh, it frees room, up your mind to work. stayed on <laughs> for three or four minutes, and then they just shut off if you're not there. But it's – it's not motion sensing, right? Because mm-hmm. you could sit still and the motion sensor wouldn't know you were there. Presence detection is different. All right. So there's nerdy stuff, right? Yeah. Talk about, uh, and, and does it make sense if you factor my time into designing it? No. No, it does not. <laughs> but it's a thing I like That's doing, a convenience. Right? That's a big convenience. Well, like, here's a funny thing. Um, so we have a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have a swimming pool in Oregon. It came with the house. There's my excuse. I love the swimming pool. I don't mind vacuuming the pool. Okay. A lot of people are like, why would you 
why don't you just get a service? Like you have a yard service and stuff. Why don't you just have somebody manage the pool for you? Mm-hmm. They go, because it's therapeutic for me. You I like, like it. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Some people like mowing their lawn. Probably shouldn't get a landscaper. Yeah. You I, like doing the yeah, pool. Yeah. I'm not crazy about mowing the lawn, but the pool, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. I usually just get to get out there and kind of throw on some swim trunks and putter around. I kind of like doing the pool chemicals and, and keeping track of them because it feels like a little bit like a chemistry project. <laughs> okay. It's just nerdy enough, but it's also really episodic. It's like when it's done, I kind of go, all right, we're good, and I can put it away, and it's fine. And it doesn't ask me for anything else. The lawn, I cut it, and a week later, it's like, what are we doing here? And I'm like, oh, we're doing this again? <laughs> so, Marching <yeah>. orders. <laughs> I feel like the, the pool doesn't boss me around as much as the lawn does. <laughs> <laughs> I like your logic here, but it makes sense to me. That makes so, sense. Anyway, well, look, Matt, you had a really fun idea about mm-hmm. what to talk about today on the show. Yeah. Um, talk, share, share it with our audience here. I know I've been talking a bunch, but I really want you to share some things that were on your mind. Yeah, so I started thinking about, and this is really pertinent, I think, to the fact that you know inflation's hot and we're Money is on the forefront of everyone's mind, especially saving money. Right. But the question is, at what point is there a diminishing marginal return for your efforts? Okay. I'm going to just pause for a minute. Let's say that in like just plain street English yeah. for our listeners. Let's too. put it like this. At what point is penny pitching not worth your time? Yeah. Like the diminishing marginal return is a... Let's say a business term or a math term. Yeah. Math, that's math, a math guy. I know. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another one. If you like, here, want me to use a math phrase for you? Oh, I do, actually. It's asymptotal in nature. Ooh, that was a good one, David. Right? And you go like, did you just use an asymptote reference on the radio? You could say and that, I, by the way. Asymptote's <laughs> a real word. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> See me after class if you don't know what it is. Right? But that's the issue, right? Uh, if if you remember, tell me what an asymptote is. That's fun. Yeah. I'm not going to go full nerd okay. on radio. I'll tell them, right? Oh, Remember your graphics calculator? We're getting in the And leads. you had like a line, and you'd have a curve You're that would get closer to the line, but it could never touch it. That's what the asymptote is, the line that never gets touched. You know, it's surprising to me because a lot of people can't ever get behind the theory that it keeps getting closer, but it never touches. Yeah. it's a little, right? that's The, like the concept of infinity doesn't actually work in anyone's mind. Like right. everybody's mind breaks at infinity. We just it's that, have learned to tolerate it. And I always kind of described it for people as like you keep taking half a step closer to the line, right? Like I'm going to get halfway closer to that line. Yeah, but, but it's not all it, the way. You're never fully there, are you? Yeah. No, you're always just halfway closer. Yeah. That, that always threw me with like a basketball. It's like, well, so it's half again and then half again and half again. And, and it's like, well, if you keep cutting it in half, well, at some point the basketball comes back. Mm hmm. Like so, it bounced. It, it went the other direction. It had to hit something, and it's like, well, math doesn't like that idea. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's true. So it gets represented with symbols because, like, again, infinity breaks your brain, right? I mean, like, like the idea, oh, the universe is infinitely big or infinitely small. What? I'm sorry, my brain's breaking again. Yeah, we just accept it. So you're like, my brain's not broken. I totally get it. It's like you get it until you try to like. Put it into real life and you're like wait is, when does it end you know it's just it doesn't it just keeps going so yeah. it's, it's like it's like listening to a two-year-old ask you why it just keeps going <laughs> and the question is david at what point do we need the penny pinching to not continue to yeah. infinity well at what point 
here's a here's a really easy way to put this right and and we'll use this to set up our break at okay. what point is the juice no longer worth the squeeze oh i like it right we're gonna have fun with this yeah. one when is the juice not worth the squeeze we will talk more about that but we got to grab a break first so stick around We'll be right back in a second. Uh, this is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio, uh, 939 FM, and 1240 KQEN. Evidently, there's technical. Someone probably hit a power line or something and knocked the transformer out. So, like, doggone it, we can't take you anywhere. So, uh, anyway, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, everybody's here. I know it's on the live stream. Uh, so if you're you know listening online, you, you got it nailed. If you were listening on AM or FM, I don't know. But that's why we keep a podcast. Mm -hmm. We're still recording this, so you won't miss it. Um, but uh, that where do they find said podcast? Uh, go to our website at littlejohnfs.com and check it out. Right. There's a knowledge center. If you look in the upper right-hand corner, go to the knowledge center, and you can find all kinds of shenanigans in there, including lots of the past shows. So, all right. Yeah, we We're, left people off talking about pinching pennies. Is it worth it? Right. When is there the diminishing marginal return that we talked about? Yeah. And is, I'm going to give an example of is it. Is the juice worth yeah. the squeeze? So have you heard this theory? In, I'm sure you have. People talking about, well, if you just wouldn't buy that $5 coffee on the way to work each morning and you were in, to invest that money, you'd be a millionaire. You, yeah. I'm sure you've heard it, right? Sure. It's all over the place. Um, but you really got to stop. There's more to it than that. Right. Right. Because. Yeah. One of them sells mutual funds. The other is data. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. It's just a bunch of numbers. But no, the thought here is at what point um, is the juice not worth the squeeze as you left the listeners off with. Right. right. And so you got to think about, well, the coffee maker to get the latte machine that you need to make the same coffee, six hundred dollars. The cost of the beans aren't cheap, right? Um, what if you need coffee filters, the cost of the purified water, the cost of the cup, and your time, and the cleanup? Is it really worth, you know, and what if that $5 coffee is your whole day, right? Like, what if that's your comfort zone? I, I And the challenge here, right, if the $5, the, the, the question about the $5 coffee is, can you afford it? Mm -hmm. Now I am going to assume yes. Just, well, no, I'm going to just throw something out there. Uh, I caught when I was doing some research. Um, I don't remember who said it. I really should find the name to give credit where it came from. But I think it's a generic enough quote that I can use this. And if I don't give credit, somebody's going to give credit to me, and I'll just be like, "Well, I didn't. I just borrowed it." Right. And it is the difference between folks that achieve wealth and those that don't. And it is that. Folks that are, are, are poor, that's what we're going to use in this case, poor people spend the money they have and invest what's left. Mm -hmm. Rich people invest the money they have and spend what's left. Oh, I like that. Okay. Now, that is subtle but significant mm. because if you are not investing first and you're not thinking with the that's idea that- That's a really good is, caveat. Yeah. Is my- use of the resource efficient and effective mm -hmm. okay am i getting the value out of that exp that 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 expenditure okay because that's really what you're doing you're exchanging value and so you, what you just did matt i think this is really useful for our listeners to think about is hey we look at the value 
of that coffee relative to the cost, mm-hmm. right? And the question then is, okay, well, how do I determine the value? Right, because there's a lot of different ways you can break that down. Right. So you could rationalize or justify, right? That's the equivalent of saying, well, I want it, therefore let me create a reason to have it, right? We also call this confirmation bias, mm-hmm. okay? All the reasons that I'm right, okay? I I want you to think of it differently. Is, like, is the cost worth it? This is such a simple phrase. Is the juice worth the squeeze? A great phrase. Right. There's a lot right? of ways to measure that. Maybe you don't like yeah. the taste of the coffee you make at home, but you'll love the taste of the coffee well, you get when you're going to work. And if that's the only thing you're doing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. this is my one indulgence. It's kind of my little vice, but it's what I do. And you go, well, yeah, you could just take that and invest it. And over time, it does add up, mm-hmm. right? Are you that accountable with every area right. of your life? Are you even going to invest the money okay. or are you just going to go spend it on something else? Because <laughs> what we're really getting down to is discipline. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to frame this up for just a second because if you listen regularly, you're going to start hearing this on the show more frequently. And it is the idea of stewardship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, for a lot of folks that come out of religious circles, that's going to be a dog whistle. And I'm okay with that, right? I'm not going to hide from my faith in talking about this, but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. That's not the point of why we're going to talk about this. It's a good way to frame stuff up, okay? So if you consider stewardship is this idea of how do you best utilize your resources? And it's all of the resources. The coffee isn't the problem. The problem is if it's the coffee and it's the I get a a little bit extra here, Mm -hmm. a little bit extra there. You know where you see this more than anything else in our culture? Calorie creep. Maybe not more than anything else, but Mm -hmm. you see it really obviously. Yeah. Because you're like, I got this from your father, by the way. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to bring Rod in on this I got to give my best impression here because he's great. I remember one time he says, Mr. Littlejohn, you know, I find it fascinating how in only... Uh, I'm trying to phrase this right. He said, over any given year, you can add one pound of weight. And over the course of 20 years, you'll be 20 pounds overweight. One pound is 3,600 calories measured over 365 days. It's only 10 calories a day. (laughs) That is so spot on. And... But he's so right, right? 10 calories per day out of a 2,000 calorie typical American diet. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, right? The, the medical, that's not really an accurate number. Throw it out the window. But sure. the idea being, out of 2,000 calories, the 10 creep. calories is a fraction of a percent. It's the creep. It's the creep. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue with stewardship is that it requires such diligence. And the coffee is a, it's like the gateway drug to more financial creep, and it gets you out of the savings mode. I love it. We're going to totally title the radio show The Financial Creep. Everyone's going to be like, what are they talking well, it's about? The creep. And, and we do this in the simple ways. Like We start to say, well, what are wants versus needs? And mm-hmm. like, all of a sudden, the wants look a lot like needs because mm-hmm. you want them, and you want to rationalize it, so you start turning into this. And then you're swimming in the financial deep end yeah. of the pool. Right, and, and then... And, Here's the part that really slays me, okay? You go online, you can look at, there's just tons of people out there talking about how to get wealthy really quickly. And while it is possible, okay, if you look at the bell curve distribution of people that are successful at doing this, they're trying to make it sound like everybody's going to fall in this really 
tail end of the curve. Like, that's normal. You could do this. All you have to do is blah, 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 blah. And like, there's just not real estate deals everywhere growing on trees that are interesting, you know, like yeah, no buy, money down deals that yeah. you can get the owner to finance and it's all going to work. Like they're just not growing on trees. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are they out there? Sure. But you're in a competitive landscape. And the goofy thing is that once you have some money, deals find you because there's always people trying to get money. So what do they do? They look for the places that have it and try to incentivize the deal. So but there's this, well, how do you get there in between? I go, the thing about investing is it still works. You sit there and say, oh, you know, it takes a long time. or this, But it's all about this creep thing, right? Mm -hmm. Your investments creep up too if you have good behavior. Right. That's the magic is that it doesn't take rocket science. It takes patience and consistency. Well, and like the make other a thing, diamond, you know, time and pressure. Yeah, and it doesn't take a ton of money to start with either no. that's the biggest misconception no. well i'll invest when i have the money to do it and i'm like <laughs> what did i that, say earlier right? yeah you can invest what's left or you can spend what's left mm -hmm. right so wealthy people invest and spend what's left poor people spend and invest what's left and lo and behold there's never anything left mm-hmm that's perfect right and so if you do that and one of your purchases is the five or now probably $9 coffee, mm -hmm. then that's the issue. And here's my rule of thumb, right? Silly rule of thumb, but like if it's, if it takes more than an hour at minimum wage to pay for the thing, it, there's a good chance that it's optional. Hmm. Right. Go more into detail with that. I think or, I like say, where you're well, going with this. So, like, like give us you an can example. Probably substitute. Right. Mm -hmm. Here's here's I have no there's no research or anything. This is literally me pulling it out of a hat. Is this okay? Dave logic? It's Dave logic. Oh, I like Dave logic. This is good. What I have observed. Th this is my value menu theory. Right. Okay. And this is also how I determine whether or not fast food restaurants are out over their skis, right? Are they are they too far out there or not, mm -hmm. price-wise? Because everybody pushes the envelope to see what they can get away with, right? But every now and then a company goes too far, and then they have to adjust I things. I feel like this like, might Whoa. be a Taco Bell theory. <laughs> it is It is a Taco Bell theory. That's where it started. But I can also apply this to Subway, where no, okay. you know, like a foot-long Subway meal the other day was almost 15 bucks. Right. Like, I remember the days where it was like 5 or 6 and you're like, this is a value. $5 foot-long song. Yeah. Come on. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's inflation out there, but... We haven't had 300% inflation. When did a foot long go from $5 to 15 or almost 15 When right? Subway said that that's what we need to pay for it. Right. Because it's called we greed. didn't have 3x inflation over the last 15 years. No. Like we didn't. Okay. But if you look, and so my theory is look at what minimum wage is. Now, really crazy because like Oregon minimum wage versus federal minimum wage radically different yeah okay well and we're but a lot higher than the federal we are yeah. so if you look at minimum wage right now in, in Oregon and somewhere it depending on where you're at but let's just pick around 12 bucks sure. okay depending on if you're in Portland or Portland Metro or whatever but let's say it's around 12 bucks if you're paying more than 12 bucks for the subway sandwich if you're a minimum wage worker it's like you can't afford to eat a subway because if you work eight hours in a day it's like 15% of your day almost to for a for the sandwich for the sandwich itself right like, well where's the rest gonna go right mm -hmm. it's like it's just that's so expensive relative to 
the earnings. And we are totally seeing that out there in the world right now. We are seeing that uh, it makes me gag a little bit when companies go out and say, well, we're delivering value. And so some ex some exec at Subway will thump their chest and go, well, that sandwich is delivering $14 worth of value to the customer. I'm like, well, they're they're paying it because they did. So I guess you're right academically. But as a percentage of the available resource, if every company out there says, well, we all think we've delivered value and we're all going to take the customer's money and then the customer spends more than they have, it's still the customer's fault for making dumb decisions. I'm just saying it's getting really hard to figure out how to partition when everything in life gets so expensive that people like like it's hard to reach a living wage because the cost of life has gone up so much mm -hmm. and everybody's kind of in on it so therein lies some of our problem right right we get into the well what are the ethics of capitalism you know is it maximum profit at all times and i would suggest it's there's a difference between maximum profit to the point of pain for the customer versus adequate profits to the point of value to the customer hmm that's a fine balancing act it is because there's there's some real subjectivity to that statement mm -hmm. right i can't whip out my abacus and tell you what the number is i can just tell you that gouging isn't okay profits okay gouging isn't right where's the line well i mean the market is supposed to figure that out but it is hard which is why we need really good true wealth skills okay is the juice worth the squeeze we will continue to discuss this, but we still have to take an obscene profit break. So we'll do that, and we'll be right back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Okay. Technical difficulties aside, we are back. Uh -huh. We are back. It's just making it a little bit more manual, like... Somebody has to throw a paper airplane at us or something and say, like, start talking. We don't have any background music. We can't hear <laughs> when know. it's time to go live. It's it's so funny when uh, the, the things that that affect the show. Uh, but anyway, we shall persevere because the show must, must go, go on. on. There we go. Matt. Yes. Diminishing marginal return show. Mm -hmm. A lot of other stuff on the show, too. Is the juice worth the squeeze? And you want to talk about investing and when... I mean, you borrow your words here, but yeah. but but correct me if I get it wrong, right? Um, when does pinchy penny pinching hurt more than it helps when you're talking? That's about That's a great way to say it. Yeah. And so so I I was thinking about an example because you asked me about. Well, this. yeah, you've been doing this for so many years, so I kind of wanted to pick your brain because you know you've seen this before. Okay. Give me an example of of a time where maybe trying to cut costs ends up costing you. All right, so uh, there are some really literal ones in the investment world, right? But let's let's start with just frame up for our listeners so that everybody's on the same page with me about what I'm thinking about. One of them is buying an expensive car because it gets good mileage. Mm. Oh, right? I've had friends with this theory. Right? Oh, yeah, I spent a whole bunch of money on this car. To save and, on fuel. Uh, but I get really good fuel economy now. And I look at this thing and go, well, how many miles do you drive in a year? And let's pick a big number, right? It's like, well, 20, I drive 25,000 miles or no, 40,000 miles, which that's a lot of miles, right? 40,000 miles. Okay. And what's your fuel savings? I'm going to cut my fuel bill in half. I go, well, what's your cost for 
40,000 miles. And it's like, well, if I get 20 miles to the gallon and it's X, right? And, and it turns out that it's really not a savings. No, right? because, because you like spent my monthly 10, payment's way more than what I was paying on gas. Yeah, that 10,000 extra that you spent versus what you were currently paying. It's yeah. like, that's a lot of fuel. $10,000 is a lot of fuel. It's a lot of fuel. And to the person just stomping about, well, you don't just buy it for that. It's good for the environment. I'm like, oh, okay, look, <laughs> all right, look, not burning fossil fuels. I'm not going to argue that like burning stuff and putting smoke and other byproducts of burning in the air. Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't want to smell it either. Like I get it. But if the solution is like, well, we all have to buy electric cars. I'm going to go slow your roll here. Mm. You're going to have to show me how the total environmental impact of that car, not just your use, but the production and the disposal and the lifetime and how that all operates and everything else that goes with it. You got to look at the whole picture. I'm not convinced that it's healthier for the environment. Yeah, I'm. I'm convinced that all the people lithium will and tell cobalt, you it is. <laughs> <laughs> all that lithium and cobalt that we're mining yeah. takes diesel fuel. That, so that let's just said, be real. <laughs> uh, electric cars are fun to drive. They, oh, I yeah. think they are screaming fast, and the power is instantly available. And it's like there are really cool things about it, and the engineering around it's really cool. I'm not dogging electric vehicles. No, I love electric. I'm just saying. But... Let's be careful about trying to like latch on to the whole environmental this whole cause. Like radical it's a really movement. pure thing. Mm-hmm. When I'm like, eh, there are like we're compartmentalizing some of this here, and I'm, I don't know that that's okay. Again, off the rails. So other times, penny pinching doesn't help with investing. Right. Um, funny, funny, but kind of accurate example. Purchasing index funds that are in usually emerging markets okay okay now i have to be careful the way i frame this up because some people might construe this as personalized advice it's not what's going on here but let me just talk about this scenario for a minute okay in the united states we use something called gap accounting generally accepted accounting principles gap okay all right those principles do not necessarily hold across all of the countries in the world. Emerging markets, by definition, are a market that is now coming into its own from a a much less industrialized perspective or a much less advanced perspective. So if you have a third world country that's starting to develop its own infrastructure and so forth. Or, you know, third world's probably wrong, but we could talk about, um, it used to be bricks were really popular, like Brazil, Russia, India, China, so forth. Well, if you look at, let's look at India as a marketplace, okay? There are still some pretty rough areas in terms of like building code and so forth, like there isn't really much, right? So there's still a lot of poverty, but then there's a lot of rapid advancement. So India as a country is starting to, from giant population, right? Has surpassed China now. At least allegedly is past China in population. And and their their economy is really coming on strong and becoming a global force. Okay. If you want to invest in India, how do you know what investments what, what kind getting? of accounting is going on under the hood of that thing and how to value mm. the investments in India? Right. They're not necessarily using the same accounting practices as here in the United States. So stands to reason that it may not function the same way from an analysis perspective. So buying an index fund is the equivalent of saying, well, you know, somewhere we just picked this basket of securities and threw them all in there and you get what you get. Right. Buying an actively managed fund that has 
analysts in the area that are looking at these companies in those economies and sort of translating the accounting and helping you better understand what's going on, there could be some real value in that. It may cost more to do that, meaning like the expenses associated with operating a fund that's got dedicated analysts in the region versus a index that does not. Hmm. You can see a significantly higher cost to operate that fund, but you may also see things like lower volatility and higher returns, even though the cost is higher to even operate. Even though the fund itself costs right. more to purchase. And so this is where the penny pincher would say, and, and mm -hmm. not disrespecting Vanguard when I say this, Vanguard did a really good job of training people to look at expense ratios and funds and look for low-cost funds. Because the correlation of performance long-term has been pretty decent that expensive funds tend to not be the best performers. Right. That's been pretty accurate. But there are times when that's not as accurate. And active management in really niche markets can be one of those times, right? Where the markets, and, and if we're really getting in the weeds, they're less efficient markets. Less efficient markets have more opportunities to exploit. Exploit usually sounds bad, but as an investor, an exploit tends to be in your to your benefit, mm -hmm. right? So the ability to benefit by exploiting the inefficiencies of that marketplace, the bigger and more accessible a market is, the more efficient right. it becomes and the harder it is to exploit that, okay? So penny pinching in those corners of the marketplace may not work well. Hmm. Right? I like that example. So there's a very real life example to me about where you could be missing the, the, the trees or you know missing the forest for the trees because you're so busy looking at, you know, uh, that specific issue, and you're not seeing the big picture. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen it. You know, in even real basic terms, where an investor goes in and they look at fees right like the advisor charges a fee and then they look at what type of yield am i currently getting mm -hmm. and they say well i can do it myself and to that i might say yeah you, you probably can and a lot of the times sure well i can change my own oil too You're right and it may even be more if, I, if you add up the products it yeah. might be like i can get the oil for cheaper and i can get the all the other but then by the time i start to look at how much time and everything else you know did I get it for cheaper? Right. Or did and was it convenient? That's a huge one, right? Was it convenient? And did I actually change the oil? That's the biggest one, right? Did you really Did do you it? get to it on time, right? Yeah. Because if you delay your oil changes uh you know, a thousand miles each time around and the engine wears out sooner, did you save money? Yeah. And it goes for investments too, right? Like if you missed the opportunity because you weren't watching it closely enough. Could that pay for the fees? Yeah. Right. I think that there is a real, well, all right, let's bring this up. Let's talk about this. And I want to talk about the, the, the benefits of, and, and the, the complexities of what happens with a complex life, but Ooh. let's complex life. Like we all kind of have a lot more complex lives than we used to. It keeps getting more complex. And so there are some benefits to that. And then there's some downsides to that. I want to want to unpack that, but we better grab our last break. Okay. Break. So let's I'm do that. We'll come back on the flip side, and we're going to talk about how to you know how to get the best out of the complex life. That and more. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon, and you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM at 12:40 KQEN.
All right, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show for the home stretch. Uh, Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. And we have been talking about all kinds of stuff today around really the idea of diminishing marginal return. Mm -hmm. Is the juice worth the squeeze? I like it. Right? Is it appropriate to pinch pennies in what areas of your life should you and what areas shouldn't you? And I want to wrap this up in the last segment talking about the complex life. Okay, It's just the nature of what's going on. We have more stuff now than at any other point in time. Right? It's like vehicles. It used to be that you would tune your own vehicles. Yeah, the spark plug change took you 10 minutes. Yeah. Now you it's... don't really do that anymore. Uh -uh. A handful of people can because they really are kind of into that. But vehicles... One, they don't require tune-ups like they used to. Correct. Right? I yeah, mean, it's you're a not different out there tuning schedule. the carburetor. Yeah, it's mostly fluids and belts now. Mm -hmm. But so vehicles are way more complex, way more electronic, but at the same time, they have way longer service intervals than they used to. And so, and yet we still don't necessarily service them on time. Lots of people are oh, late on the oil change or that, you know, I forgot to do the trade. And if you're not, you know, God love you, you're on it. But the issue is, are you on top of everything, right? If you start to look at all of the things that you own, are you doing everything? So yes, I keep my check register is like tidy and up to the penny every time. And I have all of my maintenance schedules for all of the things that I own and they're all working. And like I do the annual home maintenance and I've got a schedule for when I get the house painted and I make sure to fertilize the lawn on time. Like you just all the things. Can you do them all? I have a dirty confession. I'm listening. I am super OCD with all of these things. And so like every year the like the driveway has to be pressure washed by like this time and it drives my wife nuts. And it drives me nuts too. And it makes me hate all of the household chores because they all have to be done by a certain time. So what, And but here's the funny thing. You're actually kind of walking right into the point I'm making. I know. And I'm setting you up for it too. <laughs> right? Because you're stuck with one of two options. Mm-hmm. Well, th let's say one of three options. Well. Either go crazy. Yep. Lousy option. Which is the current solution. Two, <laughs> simplify your life so that you don't take on more responsibilities and you can manage what you have. Mm -hmm. Or three, start outsourcing things. Right, and that's the direction I'm headed. Right, and that's what happens with most folks is that at some point we start to specialize and then we start to delegate responsibilities to other people. And we do that in the form of trades, right? Yep. I trade you money for your skill set to get something done for me. I tried spraying my house for ants and spiders right mm -hmm. go spray the outside of your house knock mm -hmm. the cobwebs down the product i was using wasn't very effective and it took me a lot of time mm -hmm. and i realized for 30 or 40 dollars a month i can pay someone to do it and there yeah. will never be bugs in my house they come out every other month they take care of it and the problem is gone could i do it myself for 15 i could but the product wouldn't work as well and I don't want to do it. I don't like spiders. Uh-huh. Now, could you get somebody else to wash your boat? 
So, yes, but <laughs> yes. do you want to? No, because I love washing my butt. Right. I, like... I vacuum the pool, mm-hmm. right? Or right. And, and if my wife's listening, you know, she's probably like, uh, sometimes you vacuum the pool. A lot of the time, I vacuum the pool. Oh, well, that's probably our, true. Our right? I'm not are, saying our I'm the only uh-huh. one, just so we're clear. I'm just saying I don't mind. It's therapeutic for me, mm-hmm. okay? But there's a bunch of stuff that we you know, bring in ringers. And what that does, though, is enables me to have a life with my family mm-hmm. and also to really focus in on what we do at our firm. Right. So we're really much more hyper specialized in this investment arena. I mean, if you were listening early and you're like, I'd never thought about the fact that indexes in emerging markets might be less efficient than actively managed funds. That doesn't compute. Well, we think about that all the time. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, there are areas in the domestic market where that can still be the case. Right. There are times when it is cheaper to hedge through a institutional basket than it is individually. Because the because cost of hedging individually mm-hmm. can be higher than if you can buy it corporately, mm-hmm. right? So, it's again, there's niche corners of the market, right? Right. That that there are these exceptions. So that's just another one of those that we we study all the time is how do you get the most efficiency out of what you're doing? And efficiencies also include your time, right? Right. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Okay, and so. What do we say to the DIY investor all the time, Matt? Go ahead and do it. Just educate yourself. Be smart about it. And if you're going to do it, make sure that you're doing it right. Like set some boundaries, set some rules for yourself when investing. And and, and here's the thing. This is not a dirty secret, okay? This is real. It doesn't take every single day all week long to do well with your investing. That's not the issue, right? The fact that we do it every day, we do it for lots of people. And so we have ongoing research and ongoing things that are part of that to include the time it takes to meet with and make sure we're aware of what our customers' needs are and we're staying on top of that. So, And we have a team where we can divide the labor up and we do different things, right? Matt's working on one thing, I'm working on something else. Mm -hmm. That's the benefit of having a team is we can be more efficient by distributing the labor. Well, that's the issue with the the DIY investors. You, You can do it. It's just adding to the complexity of life yep. and a complex life has one of three things that happens right you go crazy you have to simplify or you have to outsource when you reach the threshold that you can't keep up right or if you don't go crazy then you do it badly david what if someone is tired of doing it themselves they don't want to do it themselves and they're like you know what i do want to outsource this thing what should they do okay so this falls under the category of find somebody that you like and trust I know what Matt does because Matt's great about this. <laughs> he's really saying, "How do they reach us?" That's what okay? I'm. Yeah, that's, that's what we say. But but I will tell you that it's not just about reach us. Find somebody that you like and trust. If you've got another advisor out there, we're not trying to say like they're not good and we are. Right. That's not the. Point. Maybe your nephew's an advisor yeah. and you trust them. What great. we're trying to say is work with somebody that you can engage with in a way that you're you're pleased and that you'll do it and that they listen and and not just listen but they're hearing you and then they're they're able to interact with you so that you can get to where you're trying to be and keep in mind nobody can predict the future anybody that tells you that i'd be very careful but there are things that can be done to help mitigate risk and that can help frame things up so that it works better for you but this isn't about 
producing miracles because they're professionals. It's about actually getting the job done. <laughs> Consistency is a big piece of this. That's the thing. Yeah. So it's like the, the, the first thing about getting work done is showing up. Mm -hmm. And so that, that they need to be able to show up for you. So if we can be that person, awesome. So I know the music's playing, Matt. Tell them how do they reach us. Give us a call to. at 541-375-0898 or go to our website at littlejohnfs.com. All right. Well, we are out of time for today, but thanks as always for tuning in. And again, if we can help you, give us a shout. Uh, until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.